Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Jennifer Stoniker, Advanced Lecturer and Coordinator of Pedagogical Technology in the Program in Writing and Rhetoric at Stanford University. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll, and today I'm so pleased to introduce Jennifer Stoniker. Jennifer, welcome. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank I'm you. I'm just thrilled. So for those that don't know Jennifer yet, Jennifer Stoniker is currently serving as Advanced Lecturer and Coordinator for Pedagogical Technology in the Program in Writing and Rhetoric at Stanford University. And I wanted to give everybody just a little information about what we're going to be talking today to give it some context. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing some of the work that was coming out of this program. Uh, Jennifer had graciously invited me and Jeffrey Yan, Digication's co-founder, to attend some of the showcase events that they had for the e-portfolios that students were creating within this program. So I wanted to fill everybody in a little bit. And then I have um, lots of questions for you, Jennifer. So I'm <laughs> for our conversation. Sounds good. <laughs> so the program in writing and rhetoric offers notations in cultural rhetorics in science communication. And a notation is a designation that appears on your transcript, indicating your advanced work in rhetoric and communication. It is like a minor, but allows more latitude in completing the required work and focuses on an interdisciplinary e-portfolio rather than a high number of additional courses. So I'm a bit more familiar with the notation in science communication because of our work together and our work with Helen Chen and the opportunity, again, to see a few of these very inspiring e-portfolio events over the years. And some of these events that I attended, the students were still really in the midst of building the e-portfolios. And some of these events were more of the kind of showcase that would happen at the completion of their notation or perhaps very close to the completion of their notation. Um, so first of all, I wanted to mention how unique I found that there was the opportunity to have an outside audience go in and give feedback to the students while they were still building. Uh, we don't hear of many schools doing that. Often that kind of feedback is happening more internally. Um, maybe they're working alongside an instructor or an advisor, and they may be getting feedback from peers within their particular disciplines. But I haven't often heard of a program opening it up to other people within the school community and even outside of the school community to come and give the students feedback. So I, I wanted to kind of start there. I really missed being there this year for your showcase event and was so happy that we had the opportunity to kind of talk today so that you can share more about your work and the success of the program. 
But I'm very curious, before we kind of go back to the beginning of when this notation was created, if you could talk a little bit about what your thinking was as you started inviting people to come and give the students feedback on their e-portfolios while they were still being built, because I think that's something that a lot of institutions may consider after our conversation today. Yeah, totally. So, um, so we have two classes that support students while they're building their portfolios. They take a one-unit course when they first join the, the notation program. And then a two-unit course at the end when they're like graduating and, and putting the final touches on their portfolios. And I think we first started doing the showcases in the one-unit course. And those would be the portfolios that you've seen that are, like, are a little bit less finished. Mm -hmm. And I think it, I'm trying to remember sort of what the impetus was. I think we had a meeting and, you know, the program was so new. I think we kind of wanted to show off some of the work that the students were doing and get kind of some feedback from additional voices because I know, you know, this was my kind of first exposure to e-portfolios as well. And I always felt like, like the whole time I've been working with the notation programs, it's been like, who, what other experts can I bring in to help? Because I felt sort of out of my depth a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so like Helen and you both and, um, you know, other people from around campus. And so I think, yeah, we were just like, yeah, let's have like an, an event, like the second to last week of class. Um, where students can show off the work that they've done and can talk about their portfolios. Um, and then they can sort of reflect on how that went during the last week of class. And so we started doing that and bringing people in. And one thing that we found was that students, in talking about their portfolios to other people and getting questions from other people, from new audiences, from people that they hadn't, that hadn't been working with them all quarter long, because they also get lots of feedback from their peers and from the instructors. Um, but to have this sort of new audience, they would realize, it's like, oh, well, I want to say that. Like this person asked this question, which makes me realize I'm not saying something really important that I want to say in my portfolio, or I need to make this clearer. Or, oh, there's a connection that like I can now make between these two things that I hadn't thought about before. And so it really was this great moment that sparked students to think about their portfolios in a different way and to really think about the different audiences that might be viewing their portfolios later on. And yeah, so that's in the, the one unit course at the beginning. And then we replicated the same thing in the two unit course at the end of the series. Um, and then, yeah, for the final sort of celebration for students when they've completed the program, um, our little kind of like kind of graduation ceremony for them, uh, we would do the same thing where we would have their full final portfolios on display, kind of like you would do a poster session. So yes. my background is in uh, biology. And so, you know, as I was in graduate school, there was lots of times where I would go and do poster sessions at conferences. And so these were kind of like digital poster sessions where we'd have just like uh, some classrooms that had monitors in them and the students would put their portfolios up on the monitors and then people would just circulate around and they would get to see all of the amazing things that the students had done. Um, and the students could talk about their work and they could um, kind of have that really celebratory moment at the, at the end of the program um, before they got their little like, you know, certificates and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. They were really wonderful and again, it events. Was, yeah. Really wonderful events, and um, I, you know, I just recall that the the students would just be beaming about the uh, portfolios that they created, and uh, so open and talking about the different kinds of things that they had tried and explored, and 
if there are things that they ended up rearranging after they had kind of started in one direction and then just got some feedback and wanted to do something different. And you, you mentioned the, the audience piece too. And I know that that's a really important component to how they're thinking about the organization of the e-portfolio, which we may get back to in a little bit. Um, so I was curious, uh, when these uh, notations were kind of first structured, um, when were you involved? Were you involved at the beginning or was it something that was already in place when you joined the, the program? Yeah, I was, I was, there were ideas about it, about the notations um, when I joined the program. So I was hired in 2012 um, and it was really a result Stanford had done this survey of undergraduate education, and one of the recommendations for the program in writing and rhetoric was to bring in people with um, more diverse backgrounds. So uh, PWR is an independent writing program. We're not like associated with the English department. And so we teach freshmen you know, and sophomore writing and oral communication classes that are themed around different topics. And so they wanted to bring in more diversity of theme ideas for the students to pick and choose from. And particularly from the sciences, because Stanford, you know, we have this reputation as being this very techie school, which in a lot of ways it is. Um, and so I, like I said, my background's in biology. And so they hired me in. I'd never taught a writing class before. So they trained me up very well. Um, but kind of alongside the push to kind of bring in some more diverse lecturers were, were these programs. Um, initially, they were called certificate programs, but there's sort of like technical reasons why we couldn't use that term. Um, and but the idea of expanding the offerings from the writing program beyond just the first and second year into something that would kind of go across um, a student's time at Stanford and could give them some more specific focused work in a particular type of, of writing or communication. And there were several ideas for different types of notations. The notation in science communication was the first program that was created. Uh, and so I think it got approved by like the higher up university levels in 2013. And the first students were accepted into the program the fall of that year. And then the notation in cultural rhetorics is a bit newer um, and is really kind of modeled off of the notation in science communication in that it's, you know, like this mini minor and that there's this e-portfolio component. Um, but that program just started accepting students, I think, like in the fall of of this academic year. So it's a bit newer. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, I don't remember seeing any of those at the events. So it must be new, but that's really exciting that it's expanding. There's yes. been such success in one area that it's expanding into the other. So I'm very excited about that too. Um, and I was curious, was the um, was the e-portfolio always central to the um, science and communication notation? Or was it something that was kind of brought into that later? Because I, I know, um, you know, you were mentioning that there, there weren't all of these extra courses that are usually associated with something like this. So this is quite, quite unique. Yeah, I think so when I came in, there had been kind of a draft proposal of the program written. And I'm pretty sure e-portfolios were a part of that. Um, and definitely like reflection and thinking about ways to sort of tie together students' work, perhaps like from classes they took with us specifically, but also from other parts of their of their work at Stanford. And I know 
the so the first year when I was in the program, the curriculum committee, we have different committees here in our program, and they were the ones that were really taking this on. And the chairs of that program, you know, they met with Helen Chin, the wonderful Helen Chin, who we're so fortunate to have here. Yes. Um, and she, I think, was very instrumental in kind of pushing us into that direction um, as much as possible. And I think at the time, um, Tom Black was the registrar here. Yes. And I think he also was very... Um, like he was really looking for ways for students to represent their work while undergraduates that went beyond just their transcripts. And so this also seemed like a great way to kind of tie into some of the initiatives that he was doing. And it, it really just sort of, that was the direction we took and we, we definitely ran with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was curious if, um, when, this was being designed. Do you recall any of the conversations about why the interdisciplinary kind of e-portfolio would kind of have that level of impact or weight versus having more courses? Uh, because again, I think this is an incredibly unique thing. You know, there's so many institutions that have certificate programs and you know, various minors and um, notations, but this is really the first of its kind that I've heard that use the ePortfolio really as that space for the, the learning to happen um, that's different than what I've seen in other schools. So do you recall any of the early conversations specifically about why it may have gone in that direction? Yeah. I mean, I think for one thing, just sort of pragmatic, Stanford students, especially in the engineering programs where there's kind of like official requirements about, you know, getting to be um, certified as like a professional engineer, mm -hmm. you have to take a certain amount of courses. They have a really high course and unit load. And we knew that if we wanted to try to encourage some of these students to take a few extra courses with us, we really were going to have to be, you know, we couldn't have them take six extra courses. Um, it just wasn't going to fit into their existing major and they would never be able to take the program or do the do the notation. And so I think there was that idea of how can we give students a meaningful experience where they really learn something about science communication, um, but that we're not just talking at them, mm -hmm. right? We're not just giving classes where they're kind of being lectured at. Um, how can we help students think critically about the work that they're already doing on campus and use reflection as a way of kind of integrating all of those experiences um, and use the program as really that scaffolding to help them think about, okay, you know, I took these like two or three extra classes in science communication, but I also had this poster that I did for my, you know, bioengineering class, or I worked in a lab, or I volunteered in this, you know, science outreach program. And so how can we bring all of those experiences together, help students link the learning across and see how they've grown over time, um, how they've taken information from maybe the one class they took with us and then applied it to, or, you know, a paper they were writing in another class and sort of do some of that um, do some of that work on their own, I suppose, mm -hmm. in the portfolio as a way of showing, you know, here's this thing that I've done. Here are these skills that I've gained. And then also the other great thing about it is they then have this very tangible thing that they can show to potential employers, to graduate schools to say, like, I not only have this, you know, notation on my transcript, but also here's all of the evidence of that work and that learning that I've done. And we found that that would we thought that would be really appealing to the science students. Um, that they would sort of have have some data to show, 
of, of the work they had done. Absolutely. And they've always just been uh, packed with examples of evidence of what they've done and incredible stories really about their experiences. And I know that um, some that I remember had very meaningful stories about why they chose this particular area of study, as well as really what they hope to be their future impact on various communities and the world. And it was just extraordinary to hear them talk about, you know, who they were in connection to all of the evidence that they had within all of the the ePortfolio pages. Jennifer, you mentioned a little bit about um, providing the students some scaffolding as they were going through this process. And I know that that's been a very deliberate, well thought out kind of process that you support as the students begin this notation all the way to the end. And I would love for you to share with our listeners uh, what that process is like and if there's kind of key milestones or, or stages that uh, other institutions might like to think about if they're interested in embarking on something like this as well. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I really think that's a big component of the program in writing and rhetoric. And I think of a lot of writing programs that um, we don't just sort of give students a prompt and say, go, go do this, right? But that we really think deliberatively about how to get them to the point we want them to be at, right? That, you know, writing is a scary thing for a lot of people. And, um, you know, how can we kind of walk them through the steps, think about the process of writing um, and sort of break it down to its component parts so it's less scary um, and hopefully more enjoyable. And then it gives them, again, another area of transfer that they can take that process into other classes because writing a paper for our class is maybe going to be different than writing a paper, um, you know, for a different class. There's different genres and different disciplines have different styles. And so thinking about what they can bring from one place to the other. Um, and I think that carried over into the notation programs as well, that we weren't just going to kind of say, okay, like, make a portfolio. We'll see you in two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that we really wanted to have <laughs> courses that helped them um, think about reflection as a process, think about the process of building the portfolio and really supported students on the way. Um, and so, like I said, we have this one unit course at the beginning uh, where students meet for an hour once a week. And we Initially, we would have them build a whole portfolio kind of from scratch. Now we use more of a template. And so they have to kind of fill out four different pages. Um, but we kind of go through the process of uh, curating artifacts, which, as you said, they're, they're sort of packed full already. And we do spend a lot of time on curation. Like you can't put, um, you know, 20 things in this portfolio, maybe like 10 <laughs> or six, <laughs> a really highlight sort of things that highlight not everything that you've done. And that can be hard for some of the students too. Um, so yeah, thinking about curating, thinking about reflecting, and thinking about making connections between the different experiences. And so, uh, and storytelling, right? Thinking about like, what is the story that you want to tell about yourself? And what sort of is the identity that you want to present about yourself as a science communicator? Um, and so we sort of practice that in the in the one unit course at the beginning using this templated portfolio. 
And then we kind of, we do kind of send them out a little bit into the world. Uh, they take kind of the rest of the, the science communication courses that they need to take. And then they come back in senior year. And we have this two unit course in winter quarter where it's really like intensive portfolio building. Like they kind of start from, you know, they do this whole process again of like, kind of reflecting on their identities, of sort of thinking about the story they want to tell in their portfolio, of gathering the artifacts that um, will help them tell that story and illustrate that story, and then sort of making the connections between everything, putting the final touches, getting feedback from lots of different sources. Um, and so that's kind of the bookend. Those two classes really bookend the program. Um, we have been talking most recently about doing some workshops kind of in the middle. This is always something that we've wanted to do, but just for time, we've never really been able to, to kind of get it together. But having things like maybe in spring quarter, have a little like, you know, pizza and portfolios afternoon <laughs> or evening where students can come and like think about the work they've done that year, maybe like highlight some key artifacts that they want to make sure they hold on to, you know, before they go off into summer and kind of forget about the work they've done that year, maybe do a little bit of reflecting. Um, so that would be something that we might start doing kind of in the middle. Um, but students also have advisors. So they have one advisor in the program in writing and rhetoric, and then they choose one advisor from their kind of major or disciplinary field um, to give them feedback. And so they can always, um, you know, we encourage them to meet with their advisor at least once a year and just kind of talk through where things are going. Think about maybe what courses they might need to take or what experiences they might want to you know, kind of do so that they can pull those things into their portfolio. Um, so sometimes, sometimes those are kind of reflective looking back, but oftentimes they're more reflective looking forward, thinking about, you know, what, what maybe, is there like something that's missing that I want to add to make sure I, I have that experience to represent in my portfolio and also just to like build up my skills in science communication. Yeah. Excellent. And you mentioned an important point about, uh, curation uh, as you were talking about the uh, process and that the students do have so much work that they may want to include. So what are some of the um, kinds of, I don't know, coaching or consultation or support that you give students to kind of guide them through the curation process? Because it's not easy. It really isn't. Yeah. No, I've had many meetings with students where they're like just sitting in my office and post-it notes. We use a lot of post-it notes, which I think maybe is like a, a D school, design school thing here from Stanford. They're very post-it note oriented. Um, but we use a lot of post-it notes of like shuffling different things around. And yeah, I've definitely had lots of meetings with students where it's just like, I have 30 things that I w could talk about. Like, and I want to try to pick just a few. Um, what we do in the 99... A, well, I guess we do it now maybe just in 99B, the, the second course for seniors, um, is we what we do first is we tell students really like think expansively. What are any possible artifact that you could include from across your time at Stanford? And that, again, can be things that they've done in class. It could be extra or co-curricular things. Um, it could maybe even be things that don't on the surface seem very science communication heavy, but may have been just impactful to their learning in some way. And so we just try to get them to get a list of like 20 or 25 different things. Um, and then, yeah, in class, we have them write them out on post-it notes. Uh, in COVID times, we would use Jamboards. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, which a lot of students prefer that because then they have that like electronic record of it. And it also wastes less paper in terms of all of these like post-it notes everywhere. 
Um, but I like the kind of tactile of having the post-it notes. Um, and so they have all these post-it notes written out. And then we, um, there's actually this great science writing book called The Science Writer's Handbook. Um, and it's got different chapters that are sort of different science writers have contributed to. And it's great for sort of talking about the process of science writing, but also some of the kind of more professional aspects of it. Um, but there's one chapter by a science writer named Michelle Nyhouse, and she talks about like, she's talking about how do we organize like longer form science articles, like science feature articles for a magazine or for, you know, newspapers. And she introduces this idea of um, like the seven basic plots. Uh, so like, you know, comedy, tragedy, voyage and return, um, overcoming the monster, like all of these sort of basic tropes um, as ways of thinking about organizing a science feature article. And we've sort of adapted that to our artifact curation. So what we tell students is to pick one of these like story tropes and then pick, you know, six or 10 artifacts that would help you tell that story about yourself. Um, and so, you know, overcoming the monster, right? Like here's how my work, you know, here was a big challenge that I faced and here's how I've overcome it. And here's how my work has improved, you know, now in my senior year, this is what I can do. Um, or, you know, whatever they choose, like thinking about putting them in these different orders. And then we have them go through that process a few different times with different, um, with different sort of plots and different identities that they want to present about themselves. And I think that helps them see Sometimes students really want to get locked into that first one that they do, but having kind of forcing them to think about different options and to think about different ways they can arrange their artifacts, different combinations of artifacts they can include, it just sort of opens up the possibilities to them about different stories they can tell about themselves. And then, you know, once they kind of have that basic structure in place, then they can sort of play around with it and complicate it a little bit. It doesn't have to be this very simple story, um, but it gives them a foundation to work with. And so that's kind of our, our basic artifact curation activity. Oh, that is so cool. Thank you for sharing that. And we'll need to include a, a link to that book in our notes so others can check that out. And yeah. hearing you describe it, I have a feeling that this kind of um, storytelling ideas would be helpful even beyond the the discipline of the sciences so that is very very cool and it also <laughs> um reminds me actually um i mean I, I think number one it's a point to why some of these stories within their portfolios were so engaging um they certainly went i mean this process clearly worked but uh, it was reminding me as you were speaking that uh, one of the students, when they were crafting uh, some of the stories within their e-portfolio, had shared with us at the showcase event that it was really the first time when they started to share it beyond the, the group that they were working with there, they started to open it up and they made it public and shared it with their family that it was the first time that their family really actually understood the work that they were doing within their discipline and how excited that they were that they could start to have meaningful conversations about it um, on calls or even around the dinner table with their family. And I think it, you know, one of the 
goals that I see coming through these portfolios is they're doing these just incredible work. And some of it is extremely complex. I mean, my brain can't begin to comprehend some of the things that they're doing within their classes. <laughs> and they put a lot of effort into making the the stories, even if you don't understand all of the pieces of evidence that are contained within the e-portfolios, that the stories are something that really, I think, anyone could kind of identify with. And, um, and that's a really important part of the impact that they're going to have outside of school, too. I mean, many of them want to have a very wide reach. And in order to do that, a lot of people need to be able to understand what they're doing, not just um, those that might be reading scientific journals. So um, I was remembering, you know, the student talking about that. And, uh, and as I was going through and meeting some of the other students and reviewing their portfolios, it, it seems like that's a very intentional part of the process that they have too. I don't know if it goes as deep as into which artifacts they actually select, um, but it definitely seems like it's part of the conversation around the storytelling that's happening. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I think so. It. I don't know if it was, it was like super intentional or it just sort of was how it worked out the first time we did it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and helping them reflect, right? Like if thinking about different ways that they could reflect on the work that they've done, you know, storytelling really was integral to a lot of um, a lot of the work that we were doing in class. And like we, like the activity I just talked about, we also would have them choose like one um, really meaningful, it could be an artifact or an experience. And they would have to tell a little like two minute story about that um, as one of the kind of preparation activities in the intro or in the um, e-portfolio courses. And it's something that really has come through in an interesting way. And I think it might just be something that I am really kind of passionate about is that scientists are often seen as these sort of robotic, you know, just people working in a lab, very logical, very straightforward, like Mr. Spock, kind of just all logic. <laughs> um, but scientists are people, right? And the things that we do as people impact the science that we do. It impacts what we're interested in. You know, it impacts how we approach different problems. And I think making sure our students, you know, felt like scientists, but also felt like people and that that could come through like as a whole person in their portfolio um, was something that was really important to me. And I think it's something that, you know, we see here with the Stanford students, they're, they're, they are very techie. A lot of them are, you know, computer science majors, or we have this earth systems major, which is um, for a lot of students who are interested in environmental issues. And we have a human biology major, like a lot of our students are coming from these programs. Um, but they have that side of themselves, but then they have all of these other things that they're interested in. I mean, they sort of had to have all these things they're interested in to get into Stanford. Um, but, you know, they're, they're artists, they're musicians, they're athletes, and that all impacts the type of work that they're interested in and the way that they want to do that work um, and the questions that they want to address. And so, you know, making sure that all comes through in their portfolios, I think is really special and important. Um, and it's something that we've been really thinking a lot more about, especially now that um, I think we've had seven classes of students graduate. 
And we've had we had an alumni event back in um, a couple months ago where we had some students who had graduated a few years ago come back and talk about the work they're doing now and how the science communication you know work they did at Stanford has impacted that. And it was just really lovely and amazing to kind of see how, you know, they sort of captured themselves in their portfolios at that moment in time in their senior year, um, and then how they've kind of grown and built out of that over the past few years. And they're doing amazing things, right? We have, you know, they're working in public health, they're working at science, you know, they're Monterey Bay Aquarium, they're doing, you know, climate activism work or climate policy work. And it's just really it's interesting to hear them talk about themselves even, you know, three or four years later, because it definitely seems like the kind of ideas they set down on the page in their portfolio really helped them kind of jump off into that next um, sort of next step of their career. And we're hoping to maybe do some interviews with them and kind of start to really see how those the portfolio is kind of connected to the work that they do later on and the identities that they've created about themselves. Um, but that's kind of early stages still. So. Oh, that's oh, I, I hope we can stay in touch about that. That sounds really exciting. This concludes part one of our conversation. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication a technology platform powering the most innovative ePortfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.